Hello and welcome to episode 66 of the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. I am your host, Stuart Butler, and I am joined today with the cotton-headed ninny muggins, Pete DeMeo. Hey, everybody. And Misha Bokikio. Misha Bokikio, what's your favorite color? <laughs> and by popular demand, we have the return of Phil Fariska. What's up, buddy? Hey, everybody. Glad to be back. We missed you. It's been a while. I know. And you came back at the perfect time because this, I have a feeling, might get out of hand today. Perfect. That's what I'm here for. So we, we have an Elf-inspired, Elf the Movie-inspired episode today called, what is it, Misha? Does your hotel's marketing sit on a throne of lies? So we're not worried about whether or not your marketing smells like beef and cheese. We're just worried about whether or not it sits on a throne of lies, which is a quote from Elf. The Will Ferrell movie, which is one of our favorites and one of the most quotable movies in the world. And if you haven't seen it, stop listening to this right now and go watch the movie, even though it's not Christmas. It is great. But we wanted to focus on some of the things that hotels have fallen into the trap of in terms of maybe uh, putting a little, little too much lipstick on that pig of a website or trying to uh, maybe tell, tell a little bit of untruth in their marketing. So that's what we're going to focus on today. But before we do that, Pete, what's going on in the news? Well, there's a lot of things going on in the news. I have one item, though, and that is an article that's on Hotel News Now, and it's titled, What the Growth of Soft Brands Mean for Indie Hotels. And in this article, the author spoke to five different owners, managers of independent hotels and got their feedback on what's happening among the those soft brands that have been just popping up everywhere. I mean, you can't go into a market now without seeing dozens of random soft brands that the major flags are creating and how these individual independent hotels are adapting to really having pseudo independent hotels with the budgets of a major flag in their market. Okay. So what's the summary? So the summary is pretty much of all the people that they interviewed, they found, they all agree that there is just a plethora of these soft brands. It's like the new hot thing to do where the flags are trying to grow their bottom line and they kind of found that's the easy way is just to keep creating, creating these spinoffs. But what it does prevent is the little micro soft brands from really being as agile and nimble as a true independent hotel. So while there is a major threat because you have the full marketing power of a flag, you don't have the ability to quickly react, quickly change and really give your customers the best service possible that really you can only get from an independent property. Yeah, this is an interesting move to me. I feel like we are in somewhat of a, a bubble where, I mean, when we do our research, when we're looking at competitors in different markets and we see different hotels and I'm like, who is this? And then do a little bit of digging and find out, oh, it's actually just Marriott. Um, So I think it's an interesting move. I just wonder if they're getting to a point where it's like, how many soft brands do you need? Like what is so so unique unique that it can't just be one of these other ones that already exist? They're catering to left-handed millennials and then they're kind of catered to the gray-haired millennials. and The vegan CrossFit millennials of the world. At the end of the day, a lot of these franchises, they're not in the hospitality business anymore. They're in the business of selling as many franchises as they can. And you can't have 20 Marriott's or 20 Hilton's in the same market, right? So they have to expand their portfolio so that now they can have, like in Marriott's case, they got, what, 30 brands. They can have 30 different properties in the same location and make all that money from all those properties. They don't really care about what the experience is or how profitable that property is as long as they're getting their their end. So mm-hmm. that that's really what's creating it. I just it annoys me how they're, you know, trying to get so super niche with a lot of these and coming up with these silly names for them and you know, losing losing focus on what's important in the hospitality industry, which is providing a great product with great service, right? So I really feel like even though it's a threat in terms of there's more inventory in in a lot of these markets if you're an independent property like pete said you have a lot more agility than these brands do you you can create your own website with your own booking experience and and learn from your guests 
and put that back into your marketing, which is what we're going to be talking about a lot today is, is you know, being true and authentic to yourself. So I, I wouldn't really be worried other than the fact it's just more inventory that you're competing against, whether it's backed by a big brand or not, it doesn't really matter. I mean, they're, they're super smart from a rate management perspective, but terrible from a marketing perspective. I mean, half of these soft brands, people don't even know they're attached to one of the major flags. So, mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I think they need to be a little bit worried. And the reason I say that is so often, especially in a very mature market where, you know, all the footprints have already been built, there are no new hotels that can go up. You have the flags coming in and simply buying an existing independent property, putting a little spin on it, and now it becomes a soft brand. The problem is, is the person you were marketing against yesterday, who was another independent, now has the entire Hilton Honors, you know, membership, you know, basically at their disposal to begin marketing. So those people who aren't familiar with their des- your destination and who aren't necessarily going to do shopping to figure out where they're going to stay, if they open up that Hilton app, they choose a property and hit book it. It's taking a lot of those independents completely out of the decision set. But every one of these independent, pro- I need every one of these flag properties, even though they're soft brands, they're still getting booked through the the Hilton site right. or or pseudo version of it, and it's it's a vanilla experience mm-hmm. that often doesn't even take into account the geographic location, doesn't really provide mm-hmm. good quality, useful information that's going to sell people on why to stay with you because because they've homogenized all of their properties into a single website. So you still have an advantage as an independent property of of being agile. Not just from a what messaging you're putting out there, but also where you're putting it out there, right? Because you don't have a team of marketers that are managing 50 other properties from a, somewhere located outside of your market making purchase decisions on where you should bid on AdWords and trying to do it as efficiently as possible. So you you got to be smart. You've got to leverage your knowledge of the local area, not leverage the relationships you have with other entities in the area to get inbound links, doing doing things that are a little more scrappy than than the brand can, I mean, physically cannot do. Mm-hmm. So I think you still have the advantage. Is it a threat? Sure. But at the end of the day, people aren't booking on a Hilton because of the honors program. That's a bonus. They're booking with Hilton because of the brand expectation. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the brand has done a good job of setting brand standards. And I know if I go to a, to a Hampton Inn, I know what to expect every time, right? So you've got to build that reputation through word of mouth by creating a consistent experience, giving people what they expect, which we're going to talk about a lot. So when they come to your website and then stay on property, you're, you're exceeding the expectation, not falling short. And then leveraging that experience to create a great online reputation through, through you know, whether that's your reviews or whether that's through um, advocacy stuff like what Flip2 does, you know, so... You, you still have the advantage because you're not being centrally mm-hmm. managed by being an independent. I, I will always, I will go to my grave being a defender of independence because yep. I think that if they do it right, they can kick the butts of the franchises every day. Well, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said if they do it right. This is the kind of thing that is a massive threat to a lazy hotelier because mm-hmm. they are, they're not doing the things that they need to do to create that brand experience or as a smart, you know, on it, independent hotelier is always going to have that advantage in the market. Ah, good stuff. What's next? So I have an article from our friends over at Triptease. It is on their blog, triptease.com slash blog. And the title of it is the last 10 years of booking.com. So these guys did a ton of research and there's approximately 752 screenshots in here of the evolution of booking.com and it's a pretty cool analysis this i know is something that we reference as our favorite site from a user experience perspective and also a testing perspective and it really just documents the history of where booking.com started all the changes that they've made and where they are today so it's really cool to visually see how this site has transformed and evolved over time and they also go into explaining why booking.com has made the decisions that they've made and how it's impacted the site 
definitely a good read and a good scan if you're thinking about doing some testing with your website, you're looking for from some ideas. And really the bottom line, the point of this article was really just to demonstrate that this website, booking.com, is so successful because they are constantly testing everything and working to perfect their user experience. And if this is something that you are not actively doing with your website, you're definitely behind the curve. Yeah, and you know, we've been saying it for a long time, booking.com is is by far the best, most intuitive interface, especially on mobile. They do all the things right. They use a lot of great psychology, psychology tactics. I'm really jealous that Triptease did this and we didn't think of doing this because we've been talking about the UI as it currently stands and how it's tested, but to, to go back and get those screenshots um, is really, really smart. So hats off there to Triptease for putting this together. But as, as great as it is as a history lesson, as great as it is for Triptease, for people like us to be talking about and for link bait and all that good stuff, they're going to get a lot of buzz for this article. From a hotelier's perspective, not everyone's going to have the budget to spend on on A-B multivariant testing, even though Melissa always on this show says always be testing. That's not always feasible, right? If, if you haven't got your fundamentals in place first, then you shouldn't be spending money on testing before you've got your fundamentals in place. So get your fundamentals in place and then know that these big guys like Booking.com are spending a ton of money, a ton of time, a ton of resources on doing the testing and have already answered all the questions that you probably ask going to be asking anyway and emulate what they're doing. You know, your booking experience should be as close to booking.coms as possible because guess what? They've spent tons of time making sure it works. So if you take nothing else from this article other than it, it, it's a really fascinating read and seeing the psychology behind it, take the fact that booking.com has their stuff together and has figured out a lot of things and go borrow as many of those as you can. And quickly glancing through this, it's one thing that they haven't changed. For as much as they have changed, tested, um, manipulated, whatever, the one thing that they kept pretty consistent was the destination and date selector has always remained, you know, that somewhat bright, obvious spot at the top top of the page that's always right there. It's probably always the first thing you look at. It's the And, and just kind of scrolling through all the iterations of booking.com, that's the one thing that... Well, it's been changed a little bit. Always remains in the same spot. Yeah. It's always mm-hmm. very prominent. Because it is the primary focus. It's what they need people to do when they first get there, right? And then the other things nudge people in a positive direction through the funnel after that. But you're right. I mean, it, it, it bewilders me with people with their booking engines when they try to be clever. They try to have like these fancy rollovers and, and fancy calendars for their booking engine use what works you know people are familiar we've been trained on what a booking widget should look like and in every ota in TripAdvisor, and every main brand does it the same way so why would you try to break the, the logic that is already in people's heads of how booking engines work and try to do it differently you know or when sites want to really focus on selling their property and it gets in the way of the booking experience. Like Mm -hmm. they want to put everything under the sun, like way far above the fold and then the booking widgets buried. It's like people came to your site to do one thing and you want them to do that one thing. So that widget needs to be front and center, just like booking.com. Yeah. I was looking at a a prospect this week and we were analyzing the site performance and looking at the, you know, the front end, the UI and, you know, they're using a, a very reputable booking engine. It's not a bad booking engine by any stretch, but the the widget itself was three folds down. Like, so it was three scrolls down on the homepage. Right? Which Even, on mobile. On mobile, it was like five, right? And then on the lower level pages, they didn't have a booking widget. And and there's not an online reservation button or bookings or check availability in the navigation. The only way you could get to it was a tab that floated on the right-hand side of the screen in the the writing for book now was vertical, right? So I, it took me literally probably two, three minutes before I even spotted it. And, and that was on the homepage, which happened to have the widget. The low, If I'd been on a lower level page, I'd be like, how in the world do you book this hotel? Don't make it hard for people. It's like Pete said last week, what was the quote you had about why do you hate money so much? Yep, don't hate money. And I'm going to attribute that to you now, even though you didn't come up with it. it was that, That's fine. I'll, I'll take that from... Mr. Wonderful. Okay. <laughs> well, I've always thought of you as Mr. Wonderful. That's true also. Yeah. No, you're still a cotton-headed ninny-muggins. 
All right, so yeah, that was a that was a good article from Triptease. One thing I'd add to this is I'm a little bit of an archive.org junkie. I love going there and seeing, you know, what a site looked like 10 years from ago, 15 years ago. Go there and check it out and kind of see what your hotel site looks like. If one thing I see here is booking.com, yes, they are the leader in terms of testing and optimizing their site, but you will notice that there is an evolution of how the site has changed over the years. Make sure that if you look at your site in 2017 and you look at your site in 2007, it's not the same because people have changed their habits. <laughs> Technology has changed and make sure that your site is evolving with today's customers. Yeah. And it should be, like you said, an evolution, not a revolution. Right. Like that when you learn a lot about what works on your website, don't like every three or four years, just completely blow it up and start from scratch. Take the elements that work and refine them and improve them and maybe tweak the aesthetics to make it fresh and certainly reevaluate the architecture because code standards change and what Google likes change changes. But don't just blow it up just for the sake of, ah, I'm kind of bored with this design. Because you know what? The guy that just came to your site to make a booking, they didn't see it three years ago because this is the first time they've ever come to your site. So they're not bored of it. So don't just reinvent the wheel just for the sake of it. Try to find what works. At the end of the day, your your website isn't about how, how it makes you feel as an owner or a manager. It's about how well it does as a conversion tool for your property and how well it puts your best foot forward in telling your story as well. Which is kind of a segue into our topic today. So, so Misha, do you want to talk a little bit about what inspired you to do this episode? Yes, I watched Elf. <laughs> no. Good answer, good answer. No. So, Correct. As a marketer, it is my job and our jobs to be good stewards of our clients' websites and our clients' money. And we run into situations sometimes where um, it's either a client who's requesting certain things or we're working with an outside design company and they come to us with all these ideas and all these designs for the hotel website, which is great. You know, we like feedback. We obviously want to present your property in the absolute best light possible, but there is a fine line, but it does exist between showcasing your property in the best light possible and kind of misleading people about some things that might not be true. So this kind of got the wheel spinning and we wanted to highlight some things that you can do on your website. You can go through and audit these six very specific things just to make sure that your online experience is going to match what people are going to experience when they actually get to your property. So that you don't sit on a throne of lies and yes. smell like beef and cheese. Nobody wants that. Nobody <laughs> wants that. Unless you're a plate of chili cheese fries and then I want you to call back to last week's episode. Yes. Then I want you to Maybe, maybe like unless you have an cheese. on-site restaurant, that'd be acceptable, but yeah. Uh, so Pete, why, why does this matter? Why, you know, if I dupe someone to book with me, why do I care if I don't live yeah. up to that? And the quote I used in the article was something that we hear quite often too. It's okay. So what? Like I Photoshopped a few of my images, like what's the big deal? And we have reasons why this is actually a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. In, in Photoshopping one image to show it in the best possible light is one thing. Photoshopping to show it in artificial light is entirely different. Right. So an example would be if, if you're oceanfront in your photo, you make the sky a little more blue, take out some clouds or make the ocean look a little bluer. Not so bad. You know, I, I get that. I would never recommend changing the color of the water personally. Oh, we watched that Maybe happen. Clean it yeah. uh, remember, it remember who it was? Somebody posted a picture and just did hashtag Myrtle Beach, but it was clearly a picture of the Bahamas. And this is just some social media account. That I've wasn't seen even... folks do it where there's like mountains in the background. Yeah, or something. it's yeah. like, hey now, right. and then they get called out in the comments. So, so for, there's, there's a little gray area here in terms of how far you go, but I, but I think cleaning up images mm-hmm. is one thing, like yeah. making the, the colors pop a little. That's different. But when you put your property right next to something that it's not, you know, if you're... If you're a, a mile away from the Empire State Building and you have a photo that shows your property right next to the Empire State Building, that's a little yeah, little dishonest. And really what it comes down to is overselling and under-delivering because your best guest is going to be your repeat guest. If you get that same person coming back to your property year after year after year, it's one of the most profitable guests you can get. It costs the least amount of money to retain that guest. And if you're constantly overselling and under-delivering, it leads to unhappy guests, which leads to negative reviews. Yeah, which is going to cost you future business as well. 
And from an online reputation perspective, I mean, this is so important. People, as we know, we've quoted on every podcast for the past 65 podcasts we've been doing, people shop around. They do go mm. to TripAdvisor. They go to third-party sites to look at your reviews. So over time, once your reviews start eroding, that's going to greatly impact the amount that you can demand. So your ADR is going to erode over time, and you're going to have empty beds. Yeah. And that's why places like Oyster are so popular is it shows not the marketing, beautiful marketing photos. It shows the guest photos that don't always match, you know, what the marketing says. Yeah. And ultimately this all comes down to word of mouth, right? Which is we live in a world of social media and where everyone shares every experience. And, and, you know, I read an article earlier today about how luxury travel is on the increase and it's primarily driven by millennials, even though they don't have more disposable income, they value experience way more than they value property, right? And ownership of stuff. So they're willing to spend more as a percentage of their income on luxury travel. And in their definition, luxury travel is more about the experience because we all live in this bubble of we want everyone to see how awesome our life is. We're sharing on Instagram, we're sharing on Facebook, and we're sharing the positive and the negative, right? So if I come and have a great experience at your property and you over deliver and you surprise and delight me, that means that you're now getting exposed to all of my followers. And if you're really good, then they're followers. And, and that's when things go viral. But if you're negative, you're also the opposite happens, right? You're getting shared and people now are like, oh, I'm not going to go stay there. That's terrible crap. Well, I mean, property. Say, say someone, you have a great experience at your property. Someone probably would have left you a good review. But you oversold, underdelivered, and kind of set that expectation and didn't meet it. Now you have a negative review rather than a positive one with the same experience. But it's just something mm -hmm. you showed a person that you probably shouldn't have. Yeah, because you didn't stay in your lane. You didn't take ownership of who you are and, and be authentic to your brand and to, yeah. to the quality of your product. Yeah. And we see this happen all the time. Not with you know through any fault of the properties, but on TripAdvisor, when a property hits that number one spot, it becomes really hard to hold the number one spot in your market on TripAdvisor. You get that five stars or five dots, and everyone thinks you're fantastic until people stay there and like, well, you are fantastic, but you're not the number one property in my mind. Yeah, and then they fall down, and someone else comes up to take the number the one spot. The curse of the number one spot. It really is. There's Unless no you're like the only option in your destination. It's true. And you're even, the first and the last. And even sometimes there, it's hard to hold on to number if one. If you're so. first, you're last. <laughs> Different so movie quotes. Don't create well. angry elves. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So this goes beyond just overselling yourself. We wanted to combine some tips that could help you just in any way possible ensure consistency throughout the experience when somebody books to when somebody actually goes and visits your hotel. So the first one we're going to discuss is consistent nap. I Make like sure naps. you're taking lots Na of naps. Naps are really good. So, so, so for those that don't know what, what nap means, you want to explain that? Name, address, phone. It's a very popular acronym for that. So this means um, making sure that all of your information, not only on your website, but across the web is up to date and accurate. And just think about this scenario on your head. So the address that's provided on your hotel property doesn't match what's listed on your Google local page. So somebody goes to get directions to your property, they drive to the wrong location, they've already started their trip on a really bad note. And it was your fault. Yep. Is what it comes down yeah, to. Yeah, I've never experienced it in the hotel industry, but I have with small business. There used to be one of those mm -hmm. little bouncy places, you know, where they, they just have inflatable bounces for kids. And we, I was taking my kids there, and I was like, this can't be right. I was going down the street, and it ended up saying, you are at your final destination. I'm at a house. I'm in the middle of a neighborhood, and that this is the final destination. So finally, I figured out where it was. I called someone who had been there. I ended up going there, and I talked to the owner who was working there. I was like... Hey man, do you know much about Google local and or Google for business and how it works? He's like, yeah. And you know, cause I run my business from my house. I just put mm -hmm. in my home address as our business address in Google. Oh, so no. anyone that was trying to find that business was ending up at his home. Not ideal. Yeah. So hopefully hotels aren't that bad, but sometimes, especially if you're a big resort with multiple um, parts to the property, maybe you got some villas and stuff like that. Your address needs to be where people need to go, right? It's your reservation desk. It's where they check in. That's where they need to be able to get directions to. Yeah, and this isn't just 
Google. I mean, this is Bing local. People could be looking for information on yellow pages or white pages or whatever it might be. So this can be um, somewhat of a manual process. We do this here at Fuel. It's a local citation audit. There are um, some software vendors that can help you with this that aren't too expensive. So it's definitely something to look into if the, the idea of this overwhelms you a little bit. But having that consistency between what's listed on your website and what's actually listed out there on the web is really important. Oh, it's important, like you guys mentioned, for the user experience side. But, I mean, technically, it's also a ranking factor within Google. So having that consistent name, address, phone, and let's include website on that as well because people change URLs, making sure you have all that information. (laughs) That doesn't make sense. We can just throw the W before the P. It's still nap. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Let's just change it. Went. <laughs> there you go. You can rearrange Mix it. We it can up. Come but up with some it, words. just just keep your information consistent and in everywhere that you possibly can. Yeah, and kind of working off that. So outside of your naps, on the information that's listed on your hotel website, this also needs to be up to date. So are your hours accurate? Are your check-in and check-out times accurate? Are the hours that are listed for your amenities or your on-site dining or your pool, all the little details that you probably don't think about very often, just going through and making sure that's up to date and it's accurate. And not only on your website, but again, if there are third-party references to this, those need to be updated as well. Yeah, and part of this is, is about setting expectations, right? So I recently traveled out of town and I was staying at this small inn and I was not, I didn't fly in until late and it was like an hour Uber from the airport to the hotel. So I knew I was not going to get to the hotel until probably after nine o'clock. It would probably be between nine and 10 is what I figured. So I always call the hotel. I've been in the situation before where they've resold my room, which is really frustrating. So I always call a property if I'm going to be late. So I call them and this is like six o'clock and I say, Hey, I just want to let you know, I'm going to be arriving probably around nine, 10 o'clock tonight. And they go, Oh, I'm really glad you called because if you get here after 10, there's no one here. So we put your keys for your room and your room number in this little box somewhere hidden like around the corner from the main entrance. That same thing happened like, to me and in I'm San like, Francisco. Had I not called, how would I have known that? I would have shown up at this property, been banging on the door, not knowing where my key was because it wasn't signage telling me this when I got there. It's hopefully a scavenger there, hunt. Hopefully there'll be a clue a clue, a clue. <laughs> Do it. Go on. Do your impression. <laughs> your weekly Blues Clues impression, courtesy of Misha Bokigio. No, that same thing happened to me, Stuart. When we were in San Francisco, it was a small little, small little hotel, and it was the same, same thing. They actually called us to say, we noticed you're not here yet. It's just after check-in time. What time are you going to be arriving? We're like, oh, we're not going to be there till 10, 10.30. Oh, well, no one's here then. We'll leave your key. Yeah. You know, but at least whatever. they were proactive about they, it. Yeah, they called us. I mean, it was a maybe 30, 40-room property. It was yeah. smaller. But it, still, if we would have been late, we would have not We would have not been staying there that night. Exactly. So, I mean, just setting expectations is critical and meeting those expectations. For sure. And then going off of that, meeting those expectations, this is one that can get really out of hand really fast so your hotel description so whether this be your homepage copy or your amenities copy or your rooms copy anywhere there is copy on your website you need to really balance selling your property and exaggerating about your property so an example that i like to use is if you have you're in a resort destination and you have a room that's like on the side of the building where you can kind of almost see the ocean That's not, that doesn't really provide like oceanfront vistas. You know, it's easy to get carried away when you're trying to put heads in beds, but you don't want to lie to people. My favorite one is the sunset view when you're on the other side and it's not necessarily oceanfront, but they'll call it sunset view. And when someone gets there, like, that's going to be nice. Like, oh, I'm looking at the road. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Or or city view, right? Which which is okay if you're in New York or something like that, right? But if you're in the middle of Bumbletown and all you're seeing is like asphalt, parking lots that i don't want to see city view that well, is which is that's fine but don't if, if you the room doesn't have a great view like there's certainly a demand for people who want a room that's not going to cost them as much but don't sell a view if there's not a view focus on the other things in the room that are what people want to know about indeed yes I agree 100 percent. It, it, it's really hard right there's a there's an art and a balance to 
being a sales person with your creative writing, right? And putting your best foot forward and shining the best light on your property versus being outright deceptive. So always try to use just the smell test. Like, does this really sit well? If someone really believes what I'm saying and they come here, is that the experience they're going to get? Yeah, think of it from a expectation setting perspective. If if you think that you're, oh, well, maybe they make it mad if this isn't exactly, don't write it. Just don't do it. Yeah, like for me, the line is drawn when you're clearly not oceanfront and you try to portray a view that's not there. But also, there's positive ways to spin it, right? Like, if you do have a smaller room, I personally don't have a problem with calling it intimate and cozy. Like, there are positive connotations that you can use to describe things that might not be as appealing to kind of just make it feel or, a little bit better. Or my, my favorite is when they say something's in walking distance and it's four mm-hmm. miles away. Like, I'm not walking there. I'm sorry. <laughs> when it's right across the street, I'm yeah. not walking there. <laughs> yeah. And you can use words like rustic. I mean, if you're a little older, fashioned, you know, you're not a modernized contemporary property, it's okay to use words like rustic. Some people That's want not deceptive. that, right? That's, That's not deceptive. Not deceptive. You know? So just be be smart about it and always try to look at it through the lens of the consumer. You know, if, if you're doing right by the guest at the end of the day, then you're going to be fine. But don't don't ever try to try to deceive. Don't ever try to cheat people into booking with you because it's going to backfire, like we said at the beginning of the show. What's next? The next one is one we've already touched on a little bit, but hotel photography. And Pete actually wrote an article about this. It was a while ago, probably over a year ago, but really discussing how a hotel's most valuable but also most neglected asset is a lot of time the photography. So not only do you want to have updated photography on a fairly relevant basis, I mean, people want to know that your photos are up-to-date and accurate, but you also want to really, again, balance you know what you're touching up here and there and not portraying something that's not accurate. Yeah, one thing that I've seen happen, and it's a gigantic no-no, is don't take your beautiful triple sheeting with you on the photo shoot to each room and set it up to take the shot. Make sure whatever you're taking a picture of in your room is actually going to be in the room when the guest is staying there. You know, it's it's amazing, you know, bringing in all the props, setting up flowers on this table and that here and, you know, more pillows than will actually be in the room. Don't do that because all you're doing is setting yourself up for failure when the guy walks into the room and is completely disappointed with their experience. Well, it's like, correction. the guy probably isn't going to care how many pillows are on the bed, to be fair. But the girl definitely is. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, totally the, sexist. The props it, are definitely kidding. something that I've seen. And I think it's more on the condi- condominium end of the spectrum where a lot of units are individually owned. So again, you do have to be careful with what you're representing there because with units being individually owned, if you don't have a minimum standard of what to expect, you could have some units that are super high end and some units that are also super low end and a little bit neglected. So if you're only taking photos of your super high end units, which you might have three of, and that's the only photos that are on your website, it's going to be misleading. Yeah. And I think that's a really important, if you are a condominium, you have homeowners and, and you're not necessarily maintaining the same standard with all the units, you really should consider somehow tiering those units in, in delineating between them on your website as well. So people don't come one year, have a great experience in the top tier and then come back the next year and all of a sudden they're in the worst room and now you've just shattered their expectations and that's almost worse than them having a meh experience in the first place. Well, because they don't know the difference. They don't know that, you know, Steve owns this property and he doesn't care about it, but Bob... Steve, does, man, I Steve swear. Steve is dragging... You know, anchor. He needs to step up his you game. Come said on, a bad Steve. Word. I know. I didn't, I didn't want to get too explicit. <laughs> well, and this is what we see a lot of, and the, you know, the, this type of resort or hotel is more prevalent in certain markets. But when it comes to your reviews, this is the thing that I personally see the most of: is people complaining about, you know, we booked X room on the website, and then we got there, and it didn't meet our expectations. And they have pictures that they'll post of the room, and it's it becomes a real problem over time. Now, how do you guys feel about uh, like a disclaimer on something like that? I've heard you know, kind of mix on that. Is is it okay if you're going to show a photo of maybe not your highest end, but one of your top ends? Well, and you have a couple that are. I think you got to be careful, standard. right? Because Is you don't okay ever want to create doubt in the mind of a consumer that's going through the conversion funnel. So, so if it's like, 
picture might not be a typical room. You know, that, that's a red flag for some folks. I think you're going to impact your conversion. They do it every day on car commercials. They do, but we're selling hotel rooms, not cars. <laughs> I right? know. I bet so I, I think you've got to be really careful about anything you inject into the conversion funnel that could be construed as negative. But I think the better way to handle that is to, one, police the quality of your rooms much better right into segment them based on quality so if you can't get all of your homeowners to adapt to adopt to the same standard then you know deal with it or or if you're a true hotel and you've going through refurbishment and you've only done certain levels mm. separate the ones that have been updated from the ones that haven't give them a different rate you know and yeah, let's be talking about your tiered pricing yeah uh, so I, I think photography is critical we've had people complain to some of our clients because the wallpaper was a different color in the room than what they saw on the website, right? So people are really paying attention and what they see is what they expect. People also just want something to complain about for the record. But also you don't know what's important for an individual guest oftentimes until they get there. And if you find out one person is really excited to see that there were fresh cut flowers in the room or there was blue wallpaper, and they get there and there's no fresh cut flowers and there's red wallpaper. You don't know that that was the trigger that makes them very upset with their stay. So don't necessarily show things that aren't going to be. There. Yeah, for sure. And, and while we're on photography, I want to take a little tangent because because you, you said this in your blog post before and you touched on this in your article, Misha, as well. It, it's one of the least invested things that is so important, right? You be, hotels do not spend nearly enough money on photography. You should have a line item in your budget every single year for photography, whether it's lifestyle or new rooms or whatever the new amenities are. You have to be updating them because as, as bad as it is to have photography that's misleading, you, you have it better than it really is. It's equally as bad to have really old photography that's out of date that looks like your your hotel is from the 80s, right? With the people that are in the photos, just their, their attire, the, the the decor, all those things that are just dated. So you've got to make sure that your your photography is accurate from both perspectives. It's not too old and it's not too mm-hmm. deceptive as well. Photography is what sells your property. Like descriptions are great, but to be honest, you know, as it's hard for me to say this as a person that writes website content, but a lot of times it's not what people are, are they're not going to sit there and read every page of your website. And that's fine. You want the images to be the thing that sells your property. Yeah, I'm going to make up a phrase now. I would say a picture paints like 980-ish words. Oh, that's Ooh. catchy. It made yeah. me more wow. than that. Yeah, it could. I mean, you could probably round Closer it up. Closer to 1,000? Maybe. <laughs> but no, I'd say about 980. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't that's be too fair, greedy. Right? Yeah. But yeah. Set the expectation. You, exactly. And I would say that we're not saying we're necessarily against, you know, cleaning up photography, you know, bringing it into Photoshop, making it look as good as it can look. We're also not saying that you shouldn't have any props. You know, a lot of times we're working with oceanfront properties and having some type of UV filter on the window so you can actually see outside is a good thing to do. Because otherwise, you know, from a lighting perspective, the camera catches something that the human eye really does not catch. Mm -hmm. So make sure you're setting your room up. And I I said that before to be in the best possible light and not be an artificial light. Yeah. And bringing in artificial lights into the room to, to emphasize, you know, so you don't have shadows. So it doesn't look dark and dingy because dark and dingy from a light perspective can be perceived as dirty, which is very different. Right. So you're absolutely right. There's nothing wrong with having professional photographers come in and set the lighting and put on UV filters so you don't get glared. Absolutely. Put on a little music to set the mood. Yeah. <laughs> music is worth a thousand pictures. 980 <laughs> pictures. 980 pictures. Yeah. Yeah. So what's next? The next one is reviews. So another thing that we have advocated for in the past is hosting genuine reviews on your hotel's website. This can help not only from the shopping perspective when somebody goes to your website they do want to read reviews they're probably still going to go shop around but just getting them started and getting them on a good foot with hey this property has some great reviews let me see what other people are saying that's also a good thing but then also from a search engine perspective it's very beneficial to have these on your site however you do not want to falsify manipulate or alter these reviews no no yeah definitely don't don't use fake reviews people it's just going to get you in trouble it's definitely not a... Like you're setting the expectation on a very high bar and not every hotel can be 
a five-star hotel and that's fine that's the kind of the point of our conversation you want to make sure that you're giving a genuine perception of what your property experiences and I mean this is kind of the point at the end but you know if you do have bad reviews the problem isn't oh I shouldn't have these on my website I need to falsify some of these the problem is fix what your problem is to where you have the bad reviews yeah it's better to be a really good over delivering three-star property than it is to be an under delivering people letting people down four-star property oh and also remember that your website isn't the only thing people are looking on. I mean, they're going to look at a TripAdvisor, you know, a, a booking, Yelp, what have you. They're going to see other reviews. So don't just yeah. put all of the glowing reviews on yours. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's definitely good to have positive reviews on your website, but it doesn't need to be every, you know, exaggerated five-star review that you have. You yeah. know, show, show real Well, that's going to be a red flag, right? If they see every single review on your website is sterling and perfect, and then they go to TripAdvisor, and even if there's a few that are, you know, like a little, we, we, this experience was okay, whatever, but they're going to notice the, the difference between your website and what's really out there. Yeah. And then they're going to start to distrust other yeah, things exactly. on your website. It goes back to what Stuart said earlier, don't create that doubt. Yeah, you got to create trust. I mean, people want to transact with you because, you know, you've created that comfort level with them. That's why OTAs often win because people have the comfort level with the OTA. It's a known brand. So if they're coming to your destination for the first time and they've learned about your brand for the first time, you're at a disadvantage. You've got to create that trust. And anytime you're going to abuse that trust or break that trust, even before the transaction, you're potentially going to lose out because... People are savvy. You know, 87 plus percent of people, according to our studies, say they will not book without reading reviews. And you're exactly right. We want reviews on our website because it helps keep this, the website sticky. But a lot of people are still going to go and verify that on TripAdvisor before. So you you got to be consistent. And, it, I, you know, I, I want to be really delicate in how I say this because I don't want you ever to manipulate people. But I think there is an appropriate time and an appropriate way to look objectively at the reviews and maybe there's a couple that are extreme circumstance that where, where it's just an individual had a very specific situation that you don't want to necessarily handle you know publicly occasionally it's okay i'm not saying you have to put every single review that comes through on your website i don't personally and you guys might disagree i don't think you have to do that but you have to be fair and you have to be balanced and, and you have to look at what reviews are saying, take it to heart, and show people that you're willing to fix the problem that they're identifying. As sure. Well. And I don't even think there's anything wrong if you're not comfortable with having reviews for whatever reason. But having like testimonials and sharing guest stories and everything, that's fine. But don't make them up. It needs to be mm-hmm. actual people that had actual experiences. Yeah. It's just unethical and, and misleading. And, and it's going to backfire in the long, long term. I would love to see more hotels just take a camera to the pool deck or to, you know, wherever the common areas are and go have conversation, real conversations with the guests about why did you choose this property? What is it you love about this property? How many times have you been back to this property? And curate that kind of content and put that on the website. To me, that's going to do way more than a written review ever could be. Because like Pete said, a video is 980 pictures which is 980 words so that's a lot of words whoa you just blew my mind a little bit with that conversion right (laughs) i bet you i bet you it would even work um if you just did audio because a lot of people don't like to be on camera if you're walking around just you know audio record put it over some b-roll it's still still gonna be positive for you yeah for sure and you you know it's not live you don't have to use all of it you can edit curate and edit take lots and lots of lots of video and boil how, it down how to much a few video things. like 999 video nine i'd say 980 videos okay so now you got essentially <laughs> 980 times 980 times 980 words wait why are we multiplying and not adding because you have it's 980 logarithmic. videos which is worth okay. 980 times 980 it's actually a logarithmic scale so which is 980 times 980 times 980 words what, but when do you take the derivative <laughs> After the exponential. Oh, okay. Fair. Okay, so <laughs> getting off of our math plinth here, where I know that was probably above a few people's heads. Yep. I did take AP Calculus like 15 years ago, so. Whoa, showing your oh. age there, Bukikio. All right, so the last point, and this is one that Stuart actually added into the mix, was staff interactions. 
So we felt it was important to highlight this because a lot of resort destinations really brag and rightfully so having a really awesome on-site experience and a very friendly staff that goes above and beyond to provide the absolute best service possible, which is great as long as that's actually the truth. Like you don't want to, if you don't have the internal resources, your staff really needs some help in the training area, whatever it might be. If you don't have the absolute best service, then you probably shouldn't brag about having the best service. Yeah. And even if you only have mediocre service, it's still your job, your staff's job to deliver on whatever the promises you've made. So if you're a select service property and people have paid a very low rate to come stay there and they're not expecting that much, but they are expecting hot coffee to be there available to them in the morning, it's still your staff's job to deliver on the promise. So sure. making sure that your marketing is is communicated to your staff and making sure that they can deliver above and beyond what the promise is, is critical regardless of the quality of your product. Not every property is going to have outstanding staff that are going to wait on you hand and foot, right? That's not the reality of the world we live in. A lot of the people that listen to this show, they only have a couple of staff members. They're, they're small properties. I get that. But those individuals need to buy in 100% to what you're saying on your website. They need to understand what your promise is and they better deliver on it. And even just being friendly. I mean, there's so many times, and this isn't exclusive to hotels, but you go somewhere and somebody's just rude or not friendly or doesn't make eye contact or you pass them in the halls and they just look grumpy. I mean, that's pretty basic yeah. well, stuff. A lot of, the, a lot of that's, uh, it, that's that comes down to training, right? And if you don't have training in place, if you're not coaching your staff to be friendly well don't go say you're friendly yeah, don't because work in that's going to turn around and bite you <laughs> you're not you don't like people yeah. yeah i would say a smile is worth 980 oh, videos oh, oh. oh you're throwing so it's you're, you're so that's 980 times 980 times 980 words that's what a smile is worth that's a lot of words that's the same as 980 videos you lost me <laughs> we need to go you got a whiteboard on your wall we need to like hash this out later go math it <laughs> Yeah, but no, just having friendly staff that, that understand that they are in the hospitality business and that you are an innkeeper at the end of the day. And, and we need to make sure that the personal connections that we make with individuals, especially especially when you're a small property, making those individual connections is critical. The best hotels that I've seen run are where the GMs are out and about and integrated with, the, with their other workers and with the guests, and they're asking questions. Why did you come to this property? How often have you been? What do you like about it? If you're asking those questions, you're engaging with the guests, they're going to have a better experience. You're going to learn more about them and you're going to know how to market to other people that look like them. Why did they come to my property this this week? There's a soccer tournament going on. Well, let me make sure that next year I get ahead of that and I'm running ads that promote my vicinity to the soccer field that the soccer tournament is going to be at. Right? Getting in touch with the people who run the tournament. Those yeah, yeah. type of things. Exactly. So having communication and relationships with your guest is the fundamental core of what why we're in the hospitality business. So it's never more important than when you're trying to deliver on the promise of what your marketing told people to expect. You know why a hotel should hire me? He brews it. <laughs> if, if people didn't listen to last week's episode <laughs> that true. made no sense okay all right no because i like smiling smiling's my favorite <laughs> <laughs> you brought it full circle yeah good job mr narwhal so yeah. i think to wrap up you know to summarize all of our points if any of these make you uncomfortable or you're not sure you can pull it off or you don't you feel like you can't put photos on your website without Photoshopping them, or you don't want to put reviews on your website. Like this indicates that there's a problem at your property. And rather than putting a bandaid on it on your website, like you really need to step back and take a look and fix the problems. Yeah. I love that. So there's a, we're going to put the show notes on the um, podcast channel, which is fueltravel.com slash podcast. You click on episode 66, but Misha did a companion actual blog post, which fleshes this out a little bit more. So we'll link to that from the show notes as well. And um, in it, it, I felt like you wrote the word fix it like 20,000 times. Mm, 997. Yeah. Like one and a half pictures worth. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it, like 17 smiles. Like, if your property does X, Y, Z, fix it. Fix it. it. <laughs> if yeah. you do this, fix it. 
It's true. I mean, Call Bob the Builder. He can fix it. <laughs> he does fix it. Yes, he here. can. This is true. So, so we have Blue's Clues references, Bob the Builder references, and Elf references. Chock full of goodness. This is true. That's, that was good stuff. I really, really enjoyed it. And next week, we're going to have an episode about uh, analytics, according to Melissa, if she comes back from her vacation. I'll, I'll be on vacation next week. So. Oh, son of a Phil, nutcracker. Phil, you can make another uh, guest I'll, appearance. I'll, I'll guest star in the next one. <laughs> but don't sound so excited about yeah. it. <laughs> we won't extend the invitation again. Jeez. Yeah, we're going to bring you, Alyssa back a, and Cassidy back. You must be a South Pole elf. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Call me Elf one more time. He's an angry elf. <laughs> Flips table. So, so I, I kind of want to wrap up one little thing. When people come to your property, you know, so you've initially got them to your property from your marketing, from your efforts on the OTAs and wherever else that you're, you're driving people to your property. But once they get there, and we've said this in the past on the, the podcast, this is your first opportunity to sell them on the next visit to the property. And if you bring them in and they're expecting a five-star property, that's how you sold it to them and you give them a three-star, you've already started out so far behind that you're not going to be able to win that guest back the second time around. And there's no reason you know, to put yourself in that position. Yeah, or any of their friends. Right. Yeah, agree 100%. So be true, be authentic, be who you are, be the best you can be at being yourself. And if you're not doing that, fix it. There you go. So, Misha, when you're not going through the swirly, girl, uh, swirly whirly gun drop kingdom, where can they find you? You can find me on the interwebs on Twitter at Marketing Misha. That is at Marketing M-E-I-S-H-A. And Phil, when you're not going through the Lincoln Tunnel, where can they find you? <laughs> uh, you can find me on Twitter at P-F-O-R-I-S-K-A. And Pete, when you're not at the North Pole, where can they find you? I'm on Twitter also at P Demayo, P-D-I-M-A-I-O. And you can find me at Stuart Butler, S-T-U-A-R-T-B-U-T-L-E-R. You can find us collectively and ask questions at Fuel Travel on Twitter. If you want to email us, info at Fuel Travel. Uh, if you have time, please go leave a review on iTunes. It's super easy now. You click on library, click on all shows, scroll down to fuel, and then you can scroll down a little bit. A lot of scrolling. But then you can say write a review, five star. Someone actually left us a five-star review now because you can actually rate a, a, a podcast without leaving a review. You can just click on the stars. Someone did that this week because our number of reviews went up, but they didn't actually leave any comments. So whoever that was, thank you. We can't read it out because you didn't write anything, but we appreciate the gesture. But someone please leave us a real review because we will read it out on next week's episode. And if you enjoyed this episode and you want to go read the blog post, again, go to fueltravel.com slash podcast, click on episode 66, and we'll have a link to it right there. And go watch Elf. And until next time, you have been listening to the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. Feels here to be pretty. That's right.